God is good. God is good. Amen. You can be seated. Some things I want to talk about before I get to my sermon. Uh, this men's conference was probably one of the most impactful ones that I've ever been to. And so, those that were not able to make it, I implore you, I encourage you to watch or listen to the sermons. And um, it's going to impact your life, and not just you, but your family. And so, I'll do my best today, if I can, to gather them all together, and I'll send out a text to all the men with a link to make it easy for you to watch them, uh, and that's, that's about as much as I can do. If you don't want to watch it, then that's, again, that's on you, and I pray for you and your family that you do. It has been that impactful to the men that went, and every man should take part and listen to those sermons. It is such a timely word and that we heard, especially in the year 2023. And I believe that God was calling the men and is calling the men to rise to the standard he's called us all to be. And that is a, a, a mighty man of God, a mighty man of valor. Uh, and it is on the men to lead his self, lead his family uh, in the ways of righteousness and to lead them uh, to Jesus. And so the way the man goes, the family goes. And so if, if the man's not going to lead in prayer, there's probably not going to be much prayer in the family. And God help us if we're not praying. And God help us if, if the ladies are doing all the work. And so I'll do my best to get all that out today to the men, and I pray that you would watch. There's a couple, obviously a couple sermons, so this week uh, I implore you to do that. Um, if anyone has uh, if a sickness, if you have um, high blood pressure or your diabetes or, or whatever it is, I'm not talking about here, but if somebody has a situation like that, a, a disease of some sorts, it's it's not good enough just to know that you have it. But every now and then, you've got you to take a test. And you've got to check the numbers to see where it's at. Because otherwise, what's the point? You want to you keep an idea, have an idea of how good or how bad the thing is, the situation is, the disease, or not just that, but anything in life. You want to have the data to, to understand where you presently are and where how far you've come and how much you've got to go. Because if you're not tracking anything, then you don't really know anything that's going on. What good is it to confess you have diabetes but don't even know what your numbers are? You're not going to be around very long, probably. And so, with our country, we have, uh, every year, we have uh, a State of the Union address where the president supposedly presents the State of the Union or, or whatever he intends on doing. Not really sure if it really matters, but that's part of our country's tradition. And... Um, I believe that this past week is one of those weeks that really showed us some numbers of really where we are at. 
where this world is, where our country is. And if you're not paying attention, then the numbers aren't really going to matter to you. But it, it is, we, we all know it's going downhill. We all know it's getting worse and worse. But, and again, if you, all, if you know you have diabetes, that's one thing. But you want to know where it's at. And, and I think, I really believe that this past week uh, showed us just how far we are down the path. And many events happened this past week, and obviously the week started off with that horrible shooting at the, the Christian school where that uh, transgender person uh, shot up six Christians at the school. And as tragic as that was, uh, where the, from what I understand so far, the shooter was a, a former student uh, of the Christian school and obviously she's uh, transitioned to uh, try to be a man and apparently the pastor was counseling her and so uh, she woke up and wanted to take vengeance and he killed, she killed that pastor's nine-year-old daughter uh, as one of the nine-year-olds that was killed for counseling and trying to help this person who was a former student. And obviously we know that's bad. There, Sadly, there are shootings that happen, and, and that's everyone is tragic. But what is telling and troubling is the response to this shooting in particular, mainly from the, the media, mainly from the government, and from all the corporations and companies that we buy all our products with. Instead of standing in solidarity with the, the, sa the fallen Christians, they seem to have taken sides with the transgender movement. And if you know, a, a few years ago when some uh, homosexuals were shot and killed, what happened to, what did the companies do? They changed all their logos with rainbows. But what happens when Christians got killed, nothing happens. That goes to show you just how far we are. To think all of these companies out there are our friends, they're really not, because they showed their hand this week. Not much was said about the, 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 the Christians that were killed, but more was said in support of the transgender movement than it was for Christians. The President of the United States uh, yesterday and, and for the past few days has been tweeting, about, tweeting out showing his support for the transgenders and even the Hollywood stars and singers are coming to Nashville doing concerts and donating money to the transgender movement instead of the Christians that were killed there. And, and so what the president did, I, I don't really hear the president, this president at least, talk much about God. Uh, I try to follow what he says. I get lost sometimes. Uh, but I, I rarely see a president quote the word of God. But it seems like he did yesterday 
He tweeted out that uh, transgender people are made in the image of God. Now, if I don't know anything really more blasphemous than that, then that's just horrible. But obviously, God made male and female, and he, we were made in the image of God. But if you're altering your image, you can't really say that anymore because you've altered who God made you as. And the fact that the president is, is tweeting those things out, again, tells us where we are. It's like Christians were not killed this week. And as, as sad as that is, it's been a wake-up call even more so to me th uh, of where we really are in this world and what is really coming and how quickly it is coming. I also saw a transgender person who made a video and the, the, the demonic eyes looking into the camera says this. This is going in one direction. And he says, you will respect us. This is going in one direction, and you will respect us. If that is not a, a sign of what exactly we're up against. And we see our government not condemning these things, but instead, they're promoting them. They're giving them more attention and saying, we're supporting you. We're support they're pushing them even more forward out into the open. And as the more evil is coming out and being permitted to do whatever it wants to do, that is, uh, it's not going to end well for those on the other side. And we know exactly who those people are talking to. Talking about you and me. Believers in the Word of God, and to to say to stand and say that this is going in one direction and that you will respect us describes the depth of the evil that is out there. Because you and I know you you can't make somebody else respect you. Even in here in the church, you can't make somebody else respect you. But for them to demand that. Is, is, is illogical. There's something behind it all. And we know that uh, we are at war in the spiritual realm. And if, if right now, if the evil is being permitted and pushed as an agenda into our society and no restraints are being put on it, that means evil is going to keep on manifesting itself even the more so uh, and, and driving its agenda uh, further and further and trying to push and come against anyone that comes against them. Meanwhile, they say that they are for uh, acceptance and diversity and they want everyone to be accepting of them, but they won't accept anyone else's idea. And so what we see is evil is being permitted and promoted in the streets of our society, and it's just going to get worse from here as, as this has been a, a week that's kind of exposed their hand of really where we are in this. We've known it all to be out there, but I really think that this has really shown a light of how far we have come and how close we are to the end. Now, there's not much time left, I don't think.
I don't believe there's much time left. With evil is being permitted and promoted like this from the highest offices in our government, the president uh, is promoting these things. Uh, how much left do we have for judgment to come? And when evil is like this uh, being promoted and, and pushed in the streets, uh, the only response to that is a church that is filled with the Holy Ghost, filled with the power of God, who's going to be able to stand against the evil of this world, the darkness of this, uh, this world. And if we don't stand up against them, then who is going to stand? Because you and I, we have the power to do that. We have the power and the authority over all the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt us. So we don't need to get dismayed and discouraged by what's happening happening out there. No, these events should draw us to our knees and get us a hold of God like never before. Because they're coming. And we might as well speak the truth because they're coming regardless. And we better not back down or be intimidated because they're going to win if we do that. But we have not been given the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. We had better get a hold of God like never before because the enemy is coming. They're being emboldened. They're being pushed. They're being paid. Everything is being, uh, their agenda is being shoved down the throats of this world. And the only people that can stand up and stop them are Holy Ghost-filled people. The only ones going to stand up against those devils and cast them devils out are people that have been filled with the power of God. And if we are not exercising our Holy Ghost, if our wicks haven't been trimmed and our, our candles not burning as bright as it should be, then we're in trouble. If we're just casually being a casual Christian, taking everything for granted and just enjoying life, no, we had better wake up because this past week has been a wake-up call to every single Bible believer that we got to better turn off the TV and start reading the Word of God. We better have a pause on our YouTube channels and say, i got to get a hold of God because they are coming and they are being pushed and, and fed and helped every way they can because they're the point of the spear. It seems like they're the tip of the, the, tip of the spear. And who's going to stand up to them? What we see when the demonic activity was roaming in the streets and the people in the Bible, they couldn't do anything about it. The man of Gadarenes, nobody could do anything the one person that did something was Jesus. When he showed up, all of a sudden the power was reversed. All of a sudden a demon-possessed man came running and fell down at the feet of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus has power and authority over every devil, every unclean spirit in this world. And we have that spirit inside of us. And so we had better sharpen our swords of the spirit. We had better get a hold of God like never before. Get our heads out of the sand, awake from our spiritual coma, because they're coming. We see it this week. They're coming. And so that's just one thing last week. Another thing that noticed is 
countries around the world. We're not sure how the world's been running the past 60 years, 70 years. Is They use our dollar for everything. Countries use our dollar for transactions. That gives us the stability that we have as the world currency. And this past week, the countries are now saying we're not using the dollar anymore. We're using our own money or another currency. Countries are now starting to drop our dollar. It may not mean much, but what happens when all the truckloads and, and, uh, uh, and barges and shipping containers of our money comes back to our country because nobody else is using it, what that means is there's going to be an overabundance of money. In our economy, there's already it's already gone anyways. But uh, now that these countries are dropping our money and not using it anymore, it means our economy and our dollar and our our spending power is about to be taking a hit. And so, who knows? We already know a uh, hundred dollars going grocery shopping last year is a lot better than going grocery shopping this year. And last year, they were still using our money. Now they're starting to drop our money. And so uh, things are going to get more expensive. If they're not already are, they're, they're going to get even more expensive. And so I don't want to, you know, I'm not a fear monger and all these things, but uh, you would be, it would benefit you to buy some extra stuff, extra groceries, I'd rather pay a dollar for a can of beans than ten dollars for a can of beans. And so uh, we need to start preparing yourselves because uh, it's it, it's it's coming. It's it's all being held up. It is so fragile. And I think the way things that have happened this past week are also obviously telling of where we are in this world and how quickly things are going to be changing. Um, and so, uh, do yourself a favor and, and be smart with your money and be wise with it uh, because things are changing. Also, on that note, that this, uh, our, our Federal Reserve is releasing their digital currency in a couple months. Uh, so, that's going to change everything as well. Uh, and so uh, many other countries already are using their digital currencies and, and onboarding that. Uh, and so, again, this is all just coming together, uh, meaning uh, Jesus is going to be returning because it's starting to align up with a lot of things that are becoming in Revelation. Uh, and so now is not the time just to be casual Christian. Now is the time to, to get more serious than you've ever gone, gotten to turn off your favorite YouTube channels or TV or whatever because that's just sedation to help keep you inactive uh, from what God is wanting to do in your life. No, we need to grab a hold of God, grab a hold of prayer, spend more time in prayer in the Word of God than ever before because things are going to be changing here soon. Not for the betterment either. Uh, and lastly, real quick, uh, I just found out that supposedly they're going to be putting uh, mRNA vaccinations in cattle and pork now. Uh, so if that means anything to you, then that's what. If not, then that's that's it is what it is. But uh, so they are all, all everything is going to be changing. 
But that does not mean that we should be towering, uh, cowering in fear because we have not been given that spirit. We have the spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And so as things begin to change around us, our comforts begin to be taken away, that means God is trying to push us closer to him because we can find everything in the presence of Almighty God. And if Jesus is not first in our life, then we're going to be in for a hurt. The psalmist said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thou rod and thy staff, they comfort me, and thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And my cup runneth over. And so in the middle of your enemies, it's not the time to be afraid. That's where the, your cup's going to run over. That's where the Holy Ghost is going to show up. When the, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord is going to lift up a standard against it. And that's the call of the Holy Ghost today is God's going to be calling us to lift up, to be that standard against the evil of this world. And we got to make sure we are doing our part as a believer and as an apostle apostolic, Holy Ghost-filled person, we had better start living right. And so that's all I had to say. Never really done that before, but as a watchman on the wall, I just got to say what I see. And it, I saw all this happen last week, and this is, is not good. And so my text for today, if you want to stand with me, Matthew 21 Verse 8 says, a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them the way. And the multitudes that went before that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of, God, son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, who is this? The multitude said, this is Jesus the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee, Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. You start cleaning out the temple, you're going to find healing in there. You start getting the house of prayer back in order, you're going to find a healing and a miracle in that place. But it's been covered up by so much stuff and the money changes and the things and the cares of this life. you got to do a house cleaning in your own house and your own soul uh, to get it back to a house of prayer. And there's going to be healing there. When the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, the wonderful things, wonderful things he did, the children crying in the temple saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were sore displeased. The wonderful things he did, they were sore displeased. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Today is Palm Sunday. If haven't been keeping track. Seems to be a little earlier this year, but it is what it is. But you and I, human beings, we are social creatures. We need interaction to make us feel better 
uh, and to become a better person. Uh, while we may not agree or think of it like that, God is the one that actually said through his creative works that it's not good for man to be alone. Maybe in Adam's eyes, he thought everything was just fine, and that's usually the perspective of the man. Everything's fine, and then the woman uh, says, what are you talking about? I see some things that aren't so fine. Uh, and so, but how did Adam get to become better and stronger and more sure and more certain of himself as a person and that is he needed another uh, human to interact with. And so God caused a deep sleep to come upon Adam, and when he awoke, there was Eve. Now, from Scripture, we're not told uh, if God gave Adam the heads up. Hey, you're, right at, you're about to go into surgery. Probably best if he didn't give him the heads up, because sometimes it's just best not knowing what's coming. And so, but it seems like Adam woke up and was like, whoa, who are you? Who are you and where did you come from? Because I've walked all over this garden and I am 100% certain that I haven't seen you before. And so Adam said, if I had a father and a mother, I would leave them in a second for you. And so we can clearly see that mankind was made to uh, interact with others, with somebody else. But it's, as we get older, we, it becomes a catch-22 because the older that we get, the less we want to interact with others. Just leave me alone and I'm good. So Adam and Eve were in the garden and they uh, had everything that they could ever need. Everything they could ever want. They've got shelter. They've got food. They've got each other. They don't need to go to the grocery store to buy anything. They, they don't need to barter or trade with other humans for needs all of their physical needs have been met. And yet there's still a part of them that is reaching out. There is still a part of them that was yearning for a connection, desiring an interaction with someone, and that is their soul. Man's soul still needs to be sociable. And the only party that can satisfy that need of your soul is God. He's the only one that can fill that void that's deep down inside our soul. Sometimes it takes us many years or decades to figure out what that hole is in our heart, in our, in our, in our person. But finally, I'm thankful for the grace of God that he showed me what that hole is and how he can fill that. And that is only filled by God and his spirit inside of our lives because that's how we were made uh, to be uh, sociable creatures. And our spirit is to be sociable with God. 
Because he is the one who went down and grabbed that lump of clay, that, that dirt from the earth, and he breathed into us uh, the breath of life, and we became a living soul. So without Jesus, without the breath of God in our life, we're nothing but just a, a pile of dirt. But I'm thankful to have found and got a hold of Jesus Christ in my life, that I know that I've been uh, transformed into the man that God has called me to be because that void has been filled in my life. And so every, even though Adam and Eve have had every physical need met, we still see the voice of God coming down in the garden in the cool of the day saying, Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? It's time it's our time to talk. It's our time to connect where I can breathe a, a fresh word into you. I can breathe a, a refreshing uh, touch into your soul and your spirit. And I can, I, I can do a wonder, wondrous work inside of you. It's our time to connect and it's our time to interact with one another because that's the way it's been. But as you and I know, as they sinned and uh, God came down and said, Adam, where are you? Something happened, a disconnect happened from Adam's soul to the presence of God, and Adam went and hid. And, uh, but uh, God was there uh, to uh, feed Adam's soul. He's come down to comfort him and to encourage him and to lift any burdens that has been you've been carrying that your soul has been uh, bared down with but it, it requires an interaction it requires a transaction to take place that you need to meet up with God at a time and a place in order for that to happen You've got to set aside some time in your day and your morning to get a hold of God because otherwise your schedule gets filled up really quick. And then you'll think, oh, I'll get to it later, but later never comes because there's always things that get, all, get into your life and it's there to distract you and to keep your soul away from interacting with your creator. And so we need to be on guard now more than ever before that my soul needs to get a hold of Jesus. I got to find him. I got I to schedule a time and a place where I can get refreshed in his presence because nothing else can provide what God's Spirit provides. But it requires an interaction between you and God. God says, you set up the time and I'll be there. But do we set up the time? It doesn't matter how good our physical situation may be. Our soul still needs God doesn't matter if you lived in paradise. Adam lived in paradise, and yet he still had to walk with God to get his soul met and satisfied. And so it doesn't matter how much you have in this world. Your soul still needs to connect to its Savior in order to be renewed and refreshed. You can have all the money in the world, but yet your soul still needs to reach up and grab a hold and interact with God, the one that created it. What good is it if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? Because your soul still needs to be connected 
to God. That you can have all your ducks in a row, but your soul still needs to walk with God. If you are pursuing the best job or the best degree to get a better house or a better car, none of those things are going to matter if your soul is dried up and thirsty and begins to wither away because those things can't reach down and, and impact your soul. Only thing that can do that is the Spirit of God. Uh, and so we got to get a hold of that like never before. All the time we spend worrying about the physical. If our soul has barely spent any time walking with God, then we're in for a world of trouble. And what do we do? We try to mask it. We try to bury it. We try to cover it up with more responsibilities and more jobs. And, God, I'm just so busy doing all this stuff for me, and I'm so busy doing it all for you. And I don't have time to spend with you. Working for God as opposed to spending time with God. Jesus told us. Which one he'd rather you do? Mary and Martha were there. Uh, Martha was in the kitchen doing dishes, and Mary was at his feet, and she says, why isn't she coming in here to help me? She says, she's, she's making the better choice. Because I'm not always going to be with you, but you're spending time with Jesus. And so we need to make sure that we are spending time with him before anything else. Because that's the only thing that's really going to matter. And as the time is running out, the, the ticker is running low, uh, we better make sure our soul is satisfied. Because that's what Jesus is coming back for. He's coming back for a church without spot, without blemish, without wrinkle. He doesn't care how much a church has. It's all going to be left here anyways. He doesn't doesn't care how many degrees you have or how smart you are. He's coming for your soul, and we got to make sure our souls are in line, that they're filled up with the Holy Ghost, that they're overflowing with God. That way we don't run out of oil like we heard last week, and he shows up and we miss the door. Even the church can get to the point where we think everything's fine. Revelation gives us examples of churches that thought they were fine. And then Jesus says, you need to look at this. The church of Sardis said, I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest, and art dead. So here we're all, people are out trying to make a name for themselves and of popularity and, and, and professionalism and all these accolades and all these things. Yeah, I hear you have a name. You've got a great name in the world, but you're dead inside. But your soul is dead, that you're not connected with me. You need to make sure and repent and make sure you get a hold of the life force in our life. The only be connected to the vine of Jesus Christ because without, we, without that, we're nothing. Without that, we're just a pile of dirt trying to pretend like we're something. Without the Spirit of God inside of our lives and flowing, actively flowing, then we're drying up on the inside. Church of Laodicea says, I'm rich, I'm increased with goods, and I have needs of nothing. Sounds like you're in the Garden of Eden. You have everything you need. But thou knowest not that thou art wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. 
See how blinded we can be by our own ego and arrogance and pride and how we can think everything is okay. It's because we're measuring things by the things of this world, by external things. But we got to make sure our soul is being satisfied first, that our soul is being refreshed and touched by the power and presence of God. And the only way that's going to happen is if you make an appointment with God. So this week, This week, nearly 2,000 years ago, was the beginning of the last week that Jesus walked this earth. Today, mark that day. It is uh, this week, this day, that we get to see a glimpse of the state of Jerusalem, because The Bible tells us that Jesus enters into the city. A very great multitude spread out their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from trees and strawed them in the way. They were rolling out the red carpet, and they didn't have red available, so they covered the ground because the king is coming. So they threw their coats down, branches. We don't, he doesn't need to be touching this ground. He should be walking on something because he is the king of kings. And the multitude went before him that followed, saying, Hosanna to the Son of God. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved. And they said, who is this? When we talk about the state of Jerusalem, Jesus walks into the city, and the people of the city says, who is this? The city of David, the only city in the entire world where God chose to place his name. That very city bear the name of God, and yet here comes God walking through the gates, and the city says, who is this? Talk about the state of Jerusalem. The status of Jerusalem at this point in, in history, and the people of the city did not recognize Jesus. I'm sure they probably heard his name. Jesus, we've heard that name, Jesus of Nazareth. Just because you hear the name doesn't mean that you can recognize him when he comes in the room. Doesn't mean he, you can recognize him when he comes through the gates of the city. Even the very city which he put his own name in, and he came to his own, and his own knew him not. They didn't know who he was. They couldn't recognize him because they were so caught up in everything else. They never really took the time to spend and get that alone time with God and, and make sure their soul was connected with him. And so the whole entire city is moved. When he comes in, and they're saying, who is that? That's a confession, a spiritual confession of where they are spiritually. When the king of kings and the lord of lords starts walking into the room, and the people say, well, who is that? 
just close your mouth. You've already said enough. You've already confessed uh, where you are and where your walk is because uh, when he comes in, if you don't recognize him, then you haven't been paying attention. And if you haven't have a desire to be there with him, then you're not going to uh, realize where he is. You, we all know his name. The whole world knows his name. All of Christianity knows his name. But would they recognize him if he walked through the doors? And so there are those who actually confessed and said, well, let me stop what I'm doing. Who is this? But I would imagine that there are those in the city, Jews, people of God, that did not even take the time to stop and say, who is this? That there are those who just kept going on their way and saying, I, I don't got time for this. Whatever's going on out there, that's okay. I got a meeting I got to go to. I got to handle all these things. Uh, and so uh, that, uh, again, tells us the state of this, uh, of the city of Jerusalem. And, and what does uh, the state of our country uh, tell us? How we, we know the name Jesus, and so many people make profess to be Christians, but do they really know him? Do they really recognize him? Do they really have that walk with him? Are they really filled with the, his spirit, uh, evidence in speaking in other tongues, and the fruit of the spirit begins uh, to manifest in their life? And so as it turns out, it's, it's, uh, it turns out to be a hostile place. For Jesus, when he shows up and his own people say, who is that? If they can't recognize Jesus, it's a hostile place. It's not a friendly place for believers of Jesus if they can't recognize him. And so then we see Jesus going to the temple the iconic place of the Jewish government to test the condition of the leaders of Jerusalem. I'm going to go and see how the leaders are doing. I'm going to go inspect their government building, their building, because what I see in there is going to tell me how they are. And so when Jesus went into the temple of God, he cast out them that sold and bought in the temple, overthrew the tables, the money changers, the seats, that, uh, them that sold doves. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it in the den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. And so what, what did Jesus saw when he uh, inspected uh, the government, the Jewish government, is what he saw was they weren't living by the word of God. They were not upholding the word of God. They, they turned everything around and made it to, to benefit them and their situation and their, their traditions and their doctrines and whatever agenda that they wanted to push and they permitted. Uh, that is what he saw inside the Jewish government and exposed who they were. And again wasn't a friendly place for Jesus. And so what do we see when we examine our state of the union? Claim to be a Christian nation. 
and yet we're celebrating all of this. I wonder what Jesus would say if he wrote a letter to America that supposedly bear his name and are be the, to be the witness to the entire world. we got an issue when the rest of the world calls us the great Satan. Maybe it's by, by our fruit that they're judging us. I don't know. But whenever we go into a nation and we make them open abortion clinics before we give them any money, that's probably an issue. And so Jesus came in and he inspected the, the leaders, the religious leaders, the Jewish government, if you will, and he found out that uh, things were not in order in there in the temple. And when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying in the temple saying, Hosanna to the Son of God, they were sore displeased. And so they were not happy with Jesus. They were not friendly to Jesus. He goes into his own city, his own temple, where his spirit would come down inside the Holy of Holies. He walks in there, and they're not happy he's there. That's not a friendly place. Most people don't know him, and the leaders do not like him. It's no wonder that Jesus does not survive the week in Jerusalem. In such a state, in such an unfriendly and hostile conditions, as bad as we've uh, attested and have seen uh, of uh, the, the status of Jerusalem and how nobody knew about him and cared about him and the leaders, uh, the, the, the religious leaders did not uh, like him, as bad as everything was, yet... We do get a glimpse of hope because we do see a group of people that are not ashamed of their faith. We do see a bunch of people that are shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna to the highest, that we don't care what anybody else thinks. We don't care that the religious leaders are not in favor of Jesus. We're here to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We're here to magnify his name, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. I'm going to lay down my coat. I'm going to make way for the king, that even if the city does not like him, even if the world does not like him like him I'm still going to be singing praises to him because he is my savior and he's done so much for me see Hosanna Hosanna is a compound word it's it was it's made by putting together two Hebrew words Yasha and Na Yashana, Yashana, or as we pronounce it, Hosanna. But Hebrew words would be Yashana, Yashana, two words. Yasha means properly to be open, to be wide or be free. You're, you're open, and that is by implication that means to be safe. 
causatively to it means uh, more an, uh, of an action. If you're using it as a verb, an action, it means to free somebody. It also means to avenge. It can also mean to defend, to deliver, to help, to preserve, to, to rescue, to, to be safe. It, it, it can also mean, Yashah can also mean to uh, bring salvation. And when you say it in that context, bring salvation, you only say that if you know that that person actually has salvation. To bring that. Because I know you have it, so bring salvation. Yasha can actually mean save. And Yasha can actually mean to get victory. Na means to pray. I beseech thee. I pray to thee. That's what na means. It can also mean to go to. It also means now, and it can also mean oh. And so when you combine those two words together, you get yashana or hosanna. The, the word that they were shouting and declaring as Jesus came into the city, hosanna, hosanna. Uh, the Son of God, uh, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna. And so what I have uh, figured out is that since Hosanna is already a compound word, and, and each word can mean so many different things, that the word Hosanna has so many different meanings to it. That my Hosanna can be something different than your Hosanna. And so when I'm saying Hosanna, and you're saying Hosanna, and you're saying Hosanna, and she and he's saying Hosanna, it may sound like we're saying the same thing, but deep down our soul is saying something different. I could be saying, oh God, help deliver me now, and you can be saying, oh God, avenge me. You can be saying, come and rescue me. You can be saying, oh, help me, I pray thee. Uh, oh Jesus, I need to get the victory. And yet we're all saying Hosanna. Yashana. We're all saying the same thing, but our hosannas are different because each and every one of our needs are different. But yet God knows every single thing you're saying. He knows what my hosanna means. He knows what your hosanna means. And when we're offering those up at praise and our soul is speaking and crying out, he knows exactly where you're at. He knows exactly the need that you're crying for. And he can meet you and he can help you, deliver you, heal you, rescue you, save you. Whatever it is that you are crying out for, God is able to do that. Your hosanna is not the same as my hosanna. Yet it's going to the same person, going to God himself. He's able to distinguish the difference. And so 
we see here so many people crying, Hosanna, Hosanna. The multitudes are there in welcoming him into the city gates of Jerusalem and uh, crying today, oh, come save us, come heal us, come deliver me. I need you to, to save me. I need to get the victory over this in my life. And we're saying all these things, which is great, but... Does Jesus hear us cry Hosanna Monday morning? Does the cry Hosanna go up on Tuesday? Does it go up Wednesday or Thursday? Or is the next time he hears Hosanna the next Sunday during a church service? We don't see, and the Bible doesn't give us any more examples of people the rest of the week saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. No, it was just that one day, that great service that happened. Uh, a lot of people were there. They were having a shout down and a, a great time. But where did they all go? Because as Jesus entered the den of wolves, it seemed like nobody else was there. Hostile place for him. So hostile he didn't make it out. And so will our Hosanna be heard tomorrow? Will our Hosanna be heard next week? But we do see a lot of things transpire and happen this week in, in, in the Bible where Jesus is killed, crucified, and he, he's resurrected on the third day. And next Sunday is what we celebrate, the newness of life and uh, his resurrection, because without the resurrection, we really have nothing. Uh, and so we begin to see people uh, uh, coming back to him and begin to voice, uh, uh, sing praises again unto him. But uh, at, at the cross, there was no multitude. Nobody's saying Hosanna at the cross. Not even all 12 of his disciples were present. He said, Mary, his mother, obviously she's going to be there. Martha, maybe the other Mary, John. That's about it. As he's looking around, and just a few days earlier, he hears all these people crying, Oh, save me, Jesus. Help me, Lord. Deliver me. And yet he doesn't hear it a few days later. Musicians, if you would come. A lot is happening here in this city. And a lot has to happen in order to transform it from such a hostile place that killed Jesus into the, the very seed and the birthplace of the church that's going to go out and change the world. And even, even still, Jerusalem still is not a safe place for the church. It wasn't a safe place because that's where persecution began in Jerusalem, and it scattered the church abroad. But during this time, after uh, eight weeks after Jesus came into the, to the gate of the city of Jerusalem, eight weeks later, we see a small group of believers who have not given up, who are still 
crying Hosanna, who are still saying, Jesus, come to us. Come deliver me. Yashana, come and rescue us. Come give us the victory. Come come be uh, my Savior. There is still a group of believers that are, are worshiping who have not backed down, who have not given up, who have not uh, thrown in a towel, who quit, who quit believing because of, of what happened with Jesus. No, they're still there. They show up uh, in an upper room in Jerusalem, and they're, they're waiting for the anticipation of Jesus' return again to Jerusalem because they, they were there with him uh, eight weeks earlier when he came to Jerusalem. And, and now during this time, he, he's seen by over 500 people, and he tells them, go back to Jerusalem because I'm coming again. I'm coming back to Jerusalem. Uh, go and tarry there until I come. But what do we see? We only see about 120 who are faithful, who know that Jesus is coming again. He's coming in a different form this time. He's coming as uh, the Spirit, uh, and he comes in to fill them. He's not coming on a donkey again. He's not coming with palm branches spread out. No, he's not coming in the public square anymore. No, he already did that. But now now he's coming to somebody's prayer closet. He's coming into somebody's heart. He's coming into somebody's soul. Somebody who's going to open up themselves and say, God, I need you in my life. Yoshana, Yoshana, I'm crying out to you because I need your spirit in my life. He's coming down as a fire from heaven and coming down as a mighty rushing wind. And he comes and he fills a place where they were sitting and they all spoke in tongues as fire as the Holy Ghost gave the utterance and fire sat upon each of them. See, Jesus came again to Jerusalem. But he only came to those who were looking for him. He only came to those who were hungry for him. He only came to those who said, God, I... My soul needs to connect with you. My soul is dried out. You've, you've been gone. It seems like you've forsaken us, God. Where are you? I need you to come to me again. And, and so with that kind of cry, Yashana, God cannot resist the cry of a child looking for him and saying, Help me, Jesus. Help me. Come unto me. And Jesus comes to them, and he walks them in among them, and he fills them with their spirit. And so if there's anything that you need from God today, all you got to do is to cry up your Shana, Hosanna, God knows what you're saying. He knows what your heart is. He knows the status of your soul. And if you speak and you cry out to him with an open heart and a humble heart, he too will fill you with your, his spirit today. If you stand with me today, if you have not been baptized in Jesus' name, you need to take on his name because his name is a name that is above every other name. Every other name out there in this world is going to come against you. But, hey, you got to have the name of Jesus in your life to rebuke and to resist the devil, and he will flee from you because of the name that you've taken. You see, up there in the upper room, they weren't concerned about their physical needs. 
they weren't concerned about their food and their pantry and the price of groceries, and they weren't concerned about that. Though the only thing that they were concerned about was Jesus said, I'm coming again. I'm coming to be with you and go in there and wait for me. Go and be a good and faithful servant and wait for me. Put everything else aside. The, uh, the 380 got distracted, and they went off and did their own thing, but 120 said, no, we're going to be here to the end. We're going to be here. We're going to see Jesus come again. And let me tell you, he's coming soon. This world is getting ready to wrap up, and Jesus is coming to this earth again, and you had better make sure your soul is ready that you're anticipating his return because if you really are, you'll put aside all that trash. You'll put aside all that stuff that doesn't matter. You'll pause the TV and say, Jesus, where are you? Yeshana, my soul is crying, Hosanna. I need something from you. Your soul has got to be hungry. You need to clean out the house of God and turn it back into a house of prayer. And you'll feel that miracle in there, that healing that is waiting for your soul. You need that encounter with him, with the Spirit of God, but you have to make the appointment. We're going to open up these altars today to those whose soul just wants to cry out, Hosanna, Yashana, Yashana. Lord, you know my situation. You know where I'm at, God. You know what I'm going through. But I'm coming to you because you are the author of it. You are the author and finisher of my faith. Will you come and seek him today? Will you come and grab a hold of the presence of God? Will you not leave here without him because this world is not a friendly place? It's a hostile environment out there. But we need more of Jesus in our life. Come. Will you come and worship? Will you come and pray? Will you come and seek his face and get retouched, refilled? Get get something from him today because that's the only thing that's going to sustain us. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Shana. Yashana. Oh, hallelujah. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. Forgive me, Lord. Getting distracted and carried away. Getting off course. Help us. Get back on track, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, why don't you pray for somebody? We're in this together. We better bind together, learn to unify. Pray for a brother or sister. God, help them. Help me to help them. Help us walk together in these last days. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, let your soul be heard today. Cry out to him, Yashana. Yashana.
Jesus. We worship you, Lord. We magnify you. Hallelujah. We cry, Hosanna. We're not going to be silenced. We're not going to be afraid, God, but we're going to go forward in the boldness of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. As Jerusalem turned its hostility from Jesus to the apostles, they scolded them and beat them and commanded them not to do any more in the name of the Lord. Persecution now finally now came to them, and what did they say? They prayed for boldness. They didn't back down. They weren't intimidated. They said, they said God, give us the boldness to do your work and to do your will. As the evil is prevailing and, and multiplying in this world, the Bible tells us that there's going to be a latter rain. And so as the enemy is rising, guess what? There's going to be a mighty outpouring of the Holy Ghost that's going to counteract what the enemy's doing. And we got to be ready as a church, as a people, as the vessels of God to flow in the Holy Ghost and be a part of that end-time revival to respond to the call that the enemy is doing. Ultimately, we are going to be victorious. Amen? But we got to be ready. we got to be on guard and prepare ourselves. Amen. God bless you today. Amen. Let's go and get a hold of Jesus like never before. God bless you all. Just miss in Jesus' name and forget the bread if you want some bread. <laughs>